word with me and join me in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, verses 16 to 18. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16, 17, and 18 is our text. Just as you're turning there, just a brief word of, um, I guess, thank you to you, church body. You have served so selflessly over this past week, whether it was uh, serving for the, the sake of the Cummins family earlier in the week, and then yesterday being here, and, uh, and all the preparation leading up to yesterday, uh, just thank you uh, for serving un- unto the Lord. Um, the Lord gave us great opportunity to engage our community yesterday, uh, and it was just such a joy and delight uh, to be with you in that. Would you continue to pray that the Lord would use our efforts, uh, this campus, our resources for His glory and for the advancement of His glorious kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. If you recall, when this section began, back in chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus warns us there in 6.1, He warns us against not practicing our righteousness before men so as to be seen so as to be noticed, so as to be applauded by other people. And in an effort to illustrate what he means, Jesus is going to use three examples for us. Number one, the example in verses 2-4 to of giving to the poor. And then secondly, in verses 5-8, to the example of prayer, kind of followed by that kind of three-week section that we looked at on the model prayer. And then this morning in verses 16 to 18, the third and final example being that of spiritual discipline of fasting. The Jewish believer or the Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious elite of Jesus' day, they believed that there were three primary areas of your life that you could sort of live out before the watching eye. And in these three areas, you would show in really pronounced and profound ways your own personal piety. How spiritually devout you were. If you were really spiritual, if you really loved God, then these three areas would be pretty evident in your life. You would be seen uh, giving to the poor. You would be seen praying. And thirdly, you would be seen fasting. In fact, the Pharisees sort of developed, this will be no surprise to us, they developed a whole system of works surrounding the practice of fasting. Uh, They typically fasted a couple of days of the week, Monday and Tuesday, and as we'll see in our text this morning, they made a pretty public display of that. They wanted everybody around them to know how pious, how holy, how devout they were. And so when they fasted, they made a pretty big show of it. In fact, you might recall in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, Jesus is teaching a parable there. And in that parable, there are a couple different types of people who are praying in the temple. And the first example in Luke 18 that he gives is of a Pharisee who is there praying. And in his prayer, he mentions his twice-weekly fast. 
Jesus will say about that Pharisee that he goes away from that moment not actually being justified before God because of his own self-righteous hypocrisy. Every single thing that the Pharisees, that the religious leaders of that day, everything that they did was to be seen, to be noticed by men. They gave little thought, likely no thought, to what God thinks about them, only what the watching eye of their countrymen might be. Jesus, though, calls His true disciples, those who, uh, those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Him by faith, Jesus calls us to a different pattern, a different heart motivation in practicing our righteousness. And in today's text, Jesus is going to shine a light on a spiritual discipline that as of late has fallen on some pretty hard times. The spiritual discipline of fasting. Admittedly, look, I'll just own it, you don't hear a lot of preachers preaching about fasting. If you're just kind of flipping aimlessly through the Bible looking for you know, what you think that coming Sunday might please the crowd, you're probably actually never going to preach on fasting. Um, because it just doesn't sound overly exciting. Maybe not overly fun. But um, the beauty of expository preaching is that you just deal with the next verses in line. And so here we are, beloved we're going to study about fasting this morning. I think because you don't hear a lot of sermons or a lot of even talk in the church about fasting, I think there is then a lot of confusion surrounding fasting. There are a lot of questions about this spiritual discipline. What is it? For starters, what is fasting? Is fasting just merely some ancient, archaic, Old Testament thing? Or is it something that New Testament Christians are also called to do? Is fasting just kind of some new, hip, trendy, biblical weight loss plan? Or is there something more, uh, a greater purpose there? When are we supposed to fast? Why do we fast? How do we fast? Is fasting supposed to be this miserable experience, or is it to be done with gladness so that we might be drawn ever closer in our relationship with God? So I think these are questions that when you hear language of fasting, when you come across it in Scripture, these are questions, I think, that are just normally arising in our hearts and minds. So here's my hope in these three verses this morning. My hope is that our study of God's Word would draw us certainly into a right understanding of what it means to fast, and that in turn, we would be drawn closer to God through our prayer and our fasting with gladness. Look at the text with me, if you would, Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, 
anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What about fasting? How do we fast with gladness? What are some things that we want to be thinking about in light of these verses? Let me just mention three aspects here for us this morning. Number one, the first aspect as we're thinking about fasting with gladness is that our fasting should be without hypocrisy. Our fasting should be without hypocrisy. Just as we saw uh, with giving, just as we saw with prayer, so now thirdly with fasting should be done without hypocrisy. Notice how Jesus begins verse 16. Whenever you fast. It's the same language He's using Uh, Back up earlier when it comes to giving and prayer, it is an expectation. It is a right and safe assumption of our Lord that His people will be those who fast. It's a reasonable expectation here. So then we begin to ask, well, what is fasting? What is fasting? Maybe a couple of things that it is not. It is not merely just going without food. It is certainly not a biblical weight loss plan. Fasting, as we see it in Scripture, is the spiritual discipline of going without food for the purpose of seeking the Lord more deeply in prayer. Let me just say that again so we can try to wrap our brains around this. As we see it in Scripture, fasting is the spiritual discipline of going without food for the purpose of seeking the Lord more deeply in prayer. Let me just draw out a couple of things from that explanation to kind of get us thinking in the right direction. Number one, it is the discipline of going without Food. Now, certainly, you can fast from all kinds of different things. If you believe that going without that particular thing will draw you closer to the Lord, more uh, into a more deep fellowship with the Lord, then do that. However, in Scripture, what we see is that fasting is always going without food. To be sure, sometimes people fast from television or they fast from electronics. But in Scripture, fasting is that discipline of intentionally... Again, we're not just talking about I got busy and I missed a meal. Uh, It's intentionally, purposefully, before the Lord, going without food in an effort... And here's the second thing I would draw out for us. uh, In an effort to seek the Lord more deeply in prayer. In Scripture, fasting always accompanies prayer. You never see fasting in Scripture apart from deep, sometimes groaning and crying out to the Lord in prayer. Donald Whitney in his book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, says this, there's something about fasting that sharpens the edge of our intercessions and it gives passion 
to our supplications. As fasting accompanies prayer, I think this is what it begins to look like. Instead of eating, whether it be a meal or maybe over the course of just a day, maybe several hours, instead of eating, maybe you spend that time praying. In between uh, those times of eating, when the stomach growls with hunger, that serves as an alarm of sorts. It, it serves as a reminder for you, not just to go to the pantry, but to go to the Lord in prayer. Instead of comforting ourselves with food, we find comfort in our prayer. It's taking the time, being very intentional to say, I am going to make myself maybe just a little uncomfortable so that that discomfort will compel me, it will draw me in to a deeper moment or season of prayer with God. All throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testaments, all throughout Scripture, we see the people of God fasting as they seek Him in prayer. Moses on Mount Sinai, Exodus 34 and verse 28. Moses goes some 40 days, 40 nights without eating. Elijah, while on his journey also to Sinai in 1 Kings 19.8, also 40 days without food. You might recall in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, when the decree goes out that all the Jews are to be killed, Esther tells Mordecai to do what? Tell all the Jews that for three days we're going to fast. We're not going to eat we're not going to drink and we're going to pray to the Lord. Ezra, in Ezra chapter 10, verse 6, when the people of God had come back from Babylonian captivity and everything was in ruins, he fasted and prayed. David, in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 16, when his child was terminally ill, he fasted. Jesus, at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, chapter 4 and verse 2, he fasted while out in the wilderness. Paul, after he was converted in Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, goes three days without eating. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, at the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys, the church at Antioch together, they fast and seek the Lord. And who should be sent out on this missionary journey? Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, Paul and the churches that he planted, they fasted and prayed as they sought the Lord for who should come and serve as elders, pastors in these churches. Over and over and over again, God's people often come close to God in prayer through the discipline of fasting. Why? Or what, what are the reasons that God's people fast? I, I think, beloved, there are many throughout Scripture. Number one, I think we fast to strengthen our prayer. And I don't mean by that that, uh, that if we fast, that our prayer is somehow strengthened and God hears it maybe better or more quickly. That, that's not the point at all. But fasting 
It strengthens our discipline to pray. The, the discomfort of not eating, the, 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 the growling stomach, it just makes us think. It sharpens our minds and our hearts so that we might commune more closely in prayer to God. Sometimes, there's a massive looming decision that we're having to work through. And we don't know what to do. We've read God's Word. Maybe we've already prayed. We've sought wise counsel and the answer is still not clear. And Sometimes in an effort to draw ourselves more closely to the Lord and what His will in that moment might be, we seek the Lord in prayer and fasting for His guidance. Sometimes in the midst of great sorrow and grief, we fast. You see this in Scripture multiple times over. The people of God finding themselves in great despair and in order to draw near to the God of all comforts. They don't comfort themselves with food or the comforts of this world. They comfort themselves by doing without to draw closer to God. Sometimes the people of God fast in order to seek deliverance. And while maybe there's no army outside the walls of our building this morning, how often do we find that we struggle with sin and temptation over and over and over again? Maybe in an effort to get serious about dealing with that temptation and sin rightly, we fast and we pray for deliverance. Sometimes the people of God fast in order to express to demonstrate their repentance. They want to be rid of the sin. They want to mortify the flesh. And so they fast. Times of crisis. Times of great need. People of God fast. Church family, have you, have we, considered fasting? Have you considered fasting for the purpose of seeking God more closely in prayer? Have you desired for your prayer life to be more meaningful? Have you considered fasting? Have you desired to be more disciplined in your prayer life? I think all of us would admit that prayer is sometimes difficult. It's easier to sit down and to take our Bibles and read it. I think we would all admit that sometimes it's just a little more difficult to pray. And we, I think, all wish that our prayer life was stronger. That we prayed more frequently, more urgently, more from our heart, not just from a list. Have you considered the discipline of fasting? If you do, there are some things in verse 16 that Jesus tells us to avoid. A couple of things, really. And in short, what He's saying is, when you do this, avoid hypocrisy. He tells us a couple of things in verse 16. Do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. The word gloomy, you know what that means. It means sad. It means sullen. It means downcast. It means serious. And so here's what would happen. These hypocrites, as Jesus calls them, they would be fasting. And they would walk around out in public. And man, like before they walked out the door, 
They did the work to really get serious, right? To really just look poor and pitiful and sad and gloomy and, you know, everything's just the worst. Because here was the idea, the people out there, they'll see how serious and somber I am and they'll think, oh, how pious, oh, how holy, oh, how spiritually serious, oh, how close to God they must be. Secondly, in verse 16, Jesus says that these hypocrites would neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men. You get the point, right? They're just doing everything that they're doing for the applause of mankind. They would neglect their appearance. Uh, Oftentimes, fasting would be accompanied by putting ashes upon your head or upon your face as a display of your brokenness and sorrow before God. I am cast down into the dust and I am broken in great sorrow and in great need. And ashes upon your head and upon your face would often accompany these moments of prayer and fasting. While this was acceptable, even sometimes commanded by God, what was not acceptable was going out in public with ashy heads and faces just to be noticed by men. Uh, To go out with the soot in your hair. The black soot of ash upon your face just to be seen. What does Jesus say once again at the end of verse 16? Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. When they walk by people and they hear those whispers of, oh look, that person's fasting. Oh, how holy they must be. They have a lot of ash on their face. They must be really serious about this. As soon as you pass them by and you no longer hear those whispers, and when the applause dies, that's it. That's it. You have your reward in full. There is no reward for that kind of hypocrisy from God the Father. You have it in that moment in full. And what does that really gain you? Once they are out of sight and out of mind from those watching eyes, their reward is gone. Fasting is a good and right discipline. But it is to be done without hypocrisy. Secondly, Fasting should be without fanfare. Closely related maybe to what we've just said, but fasting in verse 17 is to be done without fanfare. Verse 17, but you. Notice the distinction that Jesus is making. Verse 16, talking about those hypocrites who do this to be noticed by men. But you, when you fast, First, Jesus tells us to do a couple of things here in verse 17. First, anoint your head. And secondly, wash your face. 
put both of these things together and what Jesus is saying in verse 17 is, hey, my disciples, my people, when you fast, don't make a big deal about it. Just fast. Don't draw attention to yourself. No trumpets, no fanfare. If you don't normally go outside with ash all over your face, then there's no reason for you to do that when you're fasting either. Take a shower, wash your hair, wash your face, put on some clean clothes, and then just go about your business. Doesn't have to be, doesn't need to be, should not be broadcasted. And so then as we seek to apply this to our lives, maybe we don't deal in ash and soot, but avoid, avoid telling others that you're fasting. They don't need to know. This is between you and the Lord. Don't broadcast to the world that you're undergoing a breakfast fast, an all-day fast. Don't post about it on social media. They don't care and they don't need to know. Furthermore, once they have liked that post about your fast, you have your reward in full. When fasting, avoid things like going to lunch with people just so that when it comes time to order food, you can say, not me today, I'm fasting. Avoid that. When fasting... Don't tell people how hungry you are in hopes that they'll ask, well, did you not eat today? So that you can then say, no, I'm fasting. You have your reward in full. When fasting, just pray. Just pray. You don't have to talk about it, broadcast it. Instead of posting about it, pray. Instead of going out to lunch, pray. When the stomach growls, just pray. Fasting should be done without fanfare. Let me me pause for just a moment and let me see if I can answer a question that I have been asked more and more in recent years. In recent years, it has become more and more popular, normal, and vogue for evangelical Christians to participate in things like Ash Wednesday and then that following 40 days of Lent. So in just a what about four months or so, we'll kind of run up against that season. Pretty popular here uh, on the Gulf Coast. Mars Mardi Gras rolls around. Uh, Fat Tuesday, right? And then Ash Wednesday... And then again, the 40 days that will follow that leading up to Easter celebration. The question that I've been asked more and more in recent years is this, is it okay? Is it right? Is it even biblical for Christians to participate in things like Ash Wednesday and in Lent? Well, listen, we could camp out here a really long time, but we're not going to do that. So without delving into just all of the history behind Ash Wednesday and Lent, let me just offer five brief thoughts uh, as it pertains to that question. Number one, Ash Wednesday and Lent, I just want you to know 
they do have some pagan, worldly, and unbiblical origins that Christians, I just think, should seek to avoid. Again, it doesn't mean that everything surrounding you know, season of Mardi Gras, and without just delving into that, it doesn't mean that everything there is evil and satanic and all of those things. You will make your own decisions for you and your family about that. However, you just need to know that those practices, again, Ash Wednesday, Lent that follows, there are within those things some pagan, worldly, unbiblical origins that I just think people of God want to avoid. Secondly, if you do choose to fast during that time, ash on your face is not permitted. Wash your face. Don't make a thing about it. Thirdly, if you choose to fast during that season, do so because you are compelled by God, not a liturgical calendar or whatever culture says we should be doing in this moment. If you want to take that time to fast, do it. But do it because you're compelled by God. Do it because there is a godly and right desire to draw closer to the Lord. Not just because it's on a calendar somewhere. Or because everybody else around you is doing it during that season. Fourth thought is this. Lent confuses the order of repentance and atonement. So just to think theologically for a moment, Lent confuses the order of repentance and atonement. Lent says your sins are atoned for if you repent. The Gospel says you repent because your sins are atoned for. And here's the big takeaway from that. Only the blood of Jesus can atone for sin. Not ash on your head. Not even fasting. Your sins are not made right with God because you fast. The last just answer to that question I would give you is that God doesn't forgive you because you fast. God forgives you in Christ. So let's not think that we can fast and that that somehow twists God's arm so that He'll forgive us Give us what we want in that moment. So there are just theological realities, I think, that we want to consider in that as well. No doubt, more answers to that question. Again, I'm always glad to help us think through that. Uh, If you ever have questions, please let me know. But here's the kind of the back to the text. Here's just the big reminder of verse 17. Our fasting is to be done without fanfare. If you're compelled to do it, then do it. Don't post about it. Don't broadcast it. Nobody else needs to know. And if you were here this morning thinking maybe somehow that fasting is, you know, again, going to twist God's arm or it's going to fix everything wrong that you've ever done, there's no amount of fasting that you can do that's going to fix everything wrong that you've ever done. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. And if you desire to be forgiven, if you desire to be right with God, you cannot fast your way into heaven. Your faith must be in the Lord Jesus Christ this very hour. Lastly, third aspect of our fasting is this, that fasting 
we've already essentially said this, but our fasting should be for God. It should be an act of worship to God. It should be an act of communion, fellowship with God. If you're only fasting to be seen by men and not God, you're just going hungry for nothing. Look in verse 18. Continuing from verse 17, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Fasting to be seen by men profits you nothing. Your stomach's growling and it is accomplishing nothing. It's not drawing you any closer to the Lord. It's just a pointless exercise. However, if your fasting in prayer is for God, for His glory, to bring about His good purposes in your life, then the promise of verse 18 is that the God, your Father, who is in all places, who sees all things, He sees you in the secret. Because He's there with you in the secret. And the promise is that in the secret, He, not man, He will reward you. Just as we said regarding verse 4 with the giving of alms, or in verse 6, With prayer, our righteous deeds are for an audience of one. God alone. And so we fast for God's glory. We fast to draw close to God. We fast to be seen by God alone. How does God God reward our secret fasting? Just a handful of ways, I think. Number one, we saw this earlier in Matthew 6, God rewards by answering our prayer. There is a sense where when we pray for God alone, when we fast for God alone, there is a sense of His answered prayer serves as a reward for us. When we fast and when we pray, we're drawn closer to God and uh, the, the knowledge of His love and care for us is a reward. Notice again how Jesus refers to God there in verse 18. Your Father. Isn't it a comfort? Isn't it a reward to know that your Father cares about you and that He loves you? I think when we fast and we pray, God rewards that through the knowledge of His presence with us as we seek Him diligently. Maybe you're fasting because there's a moment of crisis or great need. There's a need for some kind of deliverance and you fast and you pray and your heart is knit to the heart of God. The reward of the knowledge of His presence comes to you in that moment. And is that not sweeter than anything that this world might afford? When we fast and when we pray and God rewards, He so often does that by giving us peace when we seek Him in prayer and fasting. You've had seasons of great difficulty. 
personally, something going on in your family, whatever the case may be, and you've prayed. And you've prayed and you've sought the Lord and you've maybe fasted. How many times has God drawn near with His peace to calm you in the midst of that storm? Oh, that is reward, dear saints. When we fast and when we pray, God rewards us by teaching us that He and not food ultimately sustains us. He takes our eyes off of temporal, worldly, even good things and places them upon Himself. And we find Him to be our provider. He teaches us that whatever we give up in this life, even something as good as food, that whatever we give up in this life, He teaches us, rewards us by the reminder that He is better. That He is better. Church, remember that if the entire point of fasting is to draw you closer to God, then do not fast to be seen by man. Fasting to be seen and honored by man carries no reward. So what's the point? You might as well not even do it. So fast without hypocrisy. Fast without fanfare. Fast for God. And you will then fast with a gladness of heart that draws you in your moments of deepest need. That draws you close to your Heavenly Father who loves you, who gave His Son for you, and who will one day come to take you safely home to glory. So consider fasting. Maybe you never have. Maybe it's been a while. Just consider it. See how the Lord might use this discipline in your heart, your life, as you seek to commune with Him. Let's pray together. Father, I think to some degree in this text, we're being confronted with the question of do we seriously seek after You? Father, what we find is that fasting bolsters our prayer lives. It helps us to be more disciplined and committed to prayer. So Father, maybe it's the case this morning that there would be some considering these verses that have just grown weak in prayer. Maybe even flippant in prayer. God, maybe we would never say these things with our mouths, but we're fine just to go on through our days without praying. God, convict our hearts. Show us that prayer and the accompanying discipline of fasting. God, that that serves a great good. It serves a great purpose. Help us to consider it. Father, I pray that Your your Spirit would work in our hearts to show us if this is something that maybe we even need to do now for whatever particular reason. God, just make us sensitive. To this we pray. God, we don't want 
We don't want to live in our own strength. God, we, want, we, we don't want to live in our own wisdom. God, we don't want to live in such a way that people see us. God, that, that means that we're going to have to empty ourselves. That we're going to have to daily commune with You in prayer so that those so that we would live as, as you desire and call us to. And God, it may be that in order for those things to be a reality in our lives, God, that we'll, we'll need to do without some food. Just for a meal or for a few hours. God, to draw closely. So, God, however you intend to work this into our hearts, into the hearts of your people, God, just do that. Do that, we pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask, God, that your word would just do its work in our hearts. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church family.